1: Thank you, Stephen A. Smith. This is Rashawn McDonald, and I am the host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. Lead with your gifts, and don't let your age, friends, family, or co-workers stop you from planning and living your dreams. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. My Moneymaking Conversation dot com guests this week are gospel artist Jonathan McReynolds, civil rights leader Reverend Al Sharpton, chef Ron Duprat, and CND agency founders Dina Marto and Courtney Rose. Tune into to moneymakingconversation.com right now and listen to free advice that can change your life. My next guest, Jonathan McReynolds, is a Grammy nominated and Stellar Award-winning artist, songwriter, and producer. He is also the founder and CEO of the record label Life Room Label. Jonathan has served as a judge on the last two seasons of BET's hit competition show, Sunday's Best, which wrapped his 10th season this summer and is performing on the and he's also performing on the 51st annual GMA. Dove Awards, which will air on October 30th on TBN. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man Jonathan McReynolds. Reynolds.
2: my dude. How you doing? Pretty
1: good. Hey, Jonathan, Steve Harvey, and I for many years, man, we did uh, Celebration of Gospel on BET, and we saw the yeah. evolution of uh, gospel music. Uh, I like to believe, you know, that uh, that uh, became. And I, I, I don't want to use this wrong. You know the, the, how the star power of gospel music grew and grew. Am I saying that incorrectly? Because I felt that with social media, you guys became yeah. uh, uh, venue acts, arena acts, and where you were initially was just regulated to church, church venues. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and it, it was all, it was amazing watching that because of the fact that you know. People will come in and and, and uh, do red carpets and all that, and it was it was. Uh, how is your role in watching that growth? What changes have you seen? What what do you think has it been the music, the style of music, or social media that has d- led to that tremendous growth in the brand of gospel music that we hear today?
2: Well, no, I I think it starts off with just the music, man. When you have you know the Kirk Franklins of the world, that you know they have release music that, you know, might have started in the church and might have been, you know, meant for, you know, gospel music listeners, but they, they crossed over and and became, you know, Big songs just, you know... Yeah, nightclub by hits. They were or <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvin Sapp, Never Would Have Made It. Come on you now. Ilana Adams, Open Up My Heart. Come on now. I Need You Now, I'm Smoky Norfolk. All of that stuff. You're about to make really me cry, you Come on, man. Don't, don't do it oh, like so that. You, this you, early in the interview. This early know? in the interview.
1: <laughs> Never would have <laughs> yeah, made you know, it, man. So Never would have made it, brother. Things. Come on now.
2: Yeah, all those songs, uh, they, they really just created a bigger platform for our generation. Uh, so now we're not even just looking at, okay, so, you know, what Sunday service can we sing at? No, we're We're thinking of, hey, you know, we can go into these big venues, theaters. Right. We can do club tours. It doesn't matter where we are. We bring the same thing. We're going to bring the same uh, atmosphere, the same music. It doesn't matter where we are. But when we go to these different places, uh, it allows people, whether they were in church every Sunday or visit just on Easter and Mother's Day or they haven't been to church in 10 years, they all come to hear the music, and so it's just been really uh, an amazing uh, time to live in and do gospel. Because yeah, the the platform and what we can do with this music uh, is absolutely bigger. And I, I have to credit, you know, those incredible artists that I just mentioned, and Mary Mary, and many more uh, that really just you know changed the game for us.
1: You know, I really I all those names very familiar with. I know that uh, I'm from Houston, Texas, and Kirk Franklin is from. Um from Dallas, yeah. Fort Worth area. And I remember when uh, his first hit song came out, which he celebrated, you know, anniversary on recently. Then um, that changed. You know, I remember I was doing a comedy concert. Steve was headline. We sold out the music hall and J. Anthony Brown was on the show. And I played that song right before we started our comedy show. Why we sing? Why we sing? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and, it, it, and it was just a breakthrough song And, you know, Mary Mary, you know uh, uh, Change, uh, Shackles on Your Feet Was a dance floor hit, you know And then mm-hmm. Kurt Franklin came back with Stomp That was a dance floor hit And so all this music, you know We in a club drinking and finagling around But we out there dancing And uh, I, I like to believe soaking in the word But also Dancing to the word—that's that to me was a, really a strong transition. Because you know nothing negative, but you know up to that point, gospel music wasn't perceived as a social music. It was perceived as church music. And when they started, when they—I and and I do give a lot of credit to Kirk. Uh, Because he he transitioned and made it a crossover hit, a phenomenal hit, not just a baby hit, phenomenal hit. And God's Property was out there doing things and touring or doing plays and all those good things. So but uh, when I look at your talents today, Jonathan, because social media plays a big role in who you are. Tell us how you use it, because it creates a lane of independence for you that 10 years ago was not available.
2: Yeah, I think that's the big shift that we're seeing uh, even though labels are still important and are still relevant and, you know, we're, we're blessed, you know, that labels have much bigger pockets than we normally would have, especially when we're starting off. Uh, you know, social media still gives us that opportunity to reach directly to, you know, the crowd, directly to fans, directly to people, directly directly to other believers and even pastors and everything. They can see what we're doing, what we're releasing, what we're working on even if they haven't seen the official promotion, you know, from the label that they haven't heard the official radio single yet, they can still see, you know, kind of firsthand what we are and what we're working on. And so I think social media definitely allows us to do more. I, you know, even back in, you know, Kirk Franklin, you know, when he was uh, changing the game, you know, it was pretty simple. Then it was kind of, well, not simple, but it's kind of straightforward. You know, you release a record, uh, you know, you get on the radio, whatever, you know, hopefully it hits and gets the number one on the radio chart. And then maybe we'll do some gigs around it. But now, I mean, there's so much more we can do. We got, you know, we can uh, we can do tours. We can do contests. We can do uh, hashtags and just have, you know, trendy things. I was actually nominated for a Grammy for a song that wasn't even a single. But because it had such a viral uh nature to it, and I, I mean people uh all the way from you know pop stars and Disney and you know uh Escape and all these other people, they were singing this song, singing this run, and it was it became so viral that it actually had impact on the Grammys, even more so than the radio single that went number one and so uh it's just a different day where you have there's there's less rules uh and the whole point is just to make something. That really speaks to the people, speaks to the culture, and you'll win.
1: Now you doing your latest single, uh, moving on, featuring Mabora and Marley Music. I, I, I that, that's my man there. That's my, that's my man right yeah, there. Yeah. Now, how did you guys yeah. get together on this single?
2: Hey man, honestly, we've known each other for a very long time. I, I had to remind them that a long time ago, I used to sing with a group, uh, five guys. It was like. It was like uh,
1: <laughs> Wait, wait, wait wait singing God. with a group What were, you, what were y'all doing <laughs> That didn't sound like R&B yeah, man, right there y'all. Singing with a group oh, like, no, no, That no, sounded no, like, no, right yeah, sound so. like
2: New edition right there That sounded like New edition for gospel huh? <laughs> It was close It was close It was close uh, It was close We had some of the same moves Sometimes but, There you go uh, There you go uh, But We were singing We were singing gospel And uh, he actually Was doing a concert you, And we were We were uh We were like Opening for him At his concert. Mm-hmm. And he, he actually pointed me out, uh, during his set, he pointed me out and he prayed for me like in front of everybody. And I, you know, I think from then on, um, God was obviously speaking to him and letting him know that he was going to do something special with me, wow. even outside that group. And sure enough, uh, 10 years later, man, uh, we're working together. I mean, that's my friends throughout. And, uh, we decided it's about time that we actually did something together. And, uh, Moving on is is our baby, man So I'm just really proud
1: of it, bro Yeah, I'm going to drop that because I I had him on the show, man Fell in love with the dude, man And I, I like to believe that uh I, he, he impacted me and I impacted him That's why I founded Money Making Conversations To be able to talk to the behind the scenes Concepts of why people are great And then share those values on my show And hopefully inspire people to see that they can Do it too, and so when I look at you You know, you know you you, you Gospel, now you, you've been on TV How has the impact of being a Judge, because I've been on Sunday's best because that's a tricky role to play because you have to be constructive but not what they say um uh damaging the people and they and getting them to the next level. How had you did one season? What did you What did you do? To, did you make any changes to your style of second season, Jonathan? Nah, you
2: know now I would say that this second season. Uh, they showed a lot more of our deliberation. And so people really got a little more mad than normal <laughs> than the first time. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's, I, I, I've actually enjoyed it. You know, it, it kind of I always love special things that, that kind of bring you outside of just the normal, you know, recording and performing. So I really enjoyed it, man. But Honestly, you know, you just have to at the end of the day. uh
1: let it yeah, out, John. At the end of the day, what if they can't sing, you have to tell them.
2: Huh? It, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, and you can ask. I was talking to Jesse Collins, who is the uh, producer. That's for my it man, Jesse year. Collins. Uh huh. Yeah, he was just like, man, gospel fans are the hardest fans ever. I mean, you, you you would think that these people couldn't sing if you looked at Twitter. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. And they are great. You know, they're just not everybody's favorite. And so, at the end of the day, we, no matter how hard the judges are, regular people. That probably can't sing are still going to be even harder. And so I think, uh, they all, all a lot of the contestants, you know, I can still talk to, they still DM me from time to time. They still fill me in, still ask me for advice and help on certain things. So I think, you know, it's all love. They understand, you know, that, you know, we have to be critical, but we just wanted to make them better. And I, over the time, you see how they become not just singers because church is full of singers, but as you were talking about, because The industry, the genre has expanded so much because of people like Kirk and Marvin and And Mary Mary, and yourself, and yourself.
1: You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need Car Shield. Car Shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. Car Shield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable. And as low as $99 a month, no long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24/7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention Code Money M-O-N-E-Y, or visit CarShield.com and use Code Money. M-O-N-E-Y To save 10% That's CarlShield.com Code money A deductible may apply Welcome back to Money Making Conversations I'm your host Rashawn McDonald Because I'm just You Thank know you. I cannot Deny the, 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 You know Play down what you do Okay Because it's, You're playing an important role Because of the fact that You are You're a decision maker you defining people's careers and and also uh, people's voices. And then when it comes to gospel music, the problem that church people because I was I've done chills with Steve Harvey. Now I, I we, did, we did a tour with Kirk Franklin, and I went out there and they were telling me you need a you need a market on church radio station. I go that's where the church people at, and I wasn't selling no tickets. I was I was on all the church quote unquote <laughs> church radio stations. When I went back to R and B stations. Jonathan, I started selling tickets, so that lets me know that you can't define that audience, or you can't. Sometimes you can't even locate that audience because they all have values that 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 can 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 mislead you into saying this is where they're at. And so when you're dealing with ch- church songs, you know, just because they can't sing. People feel they church music, you know. That they, they might be tied mm-hmm. to a, a happy moment or a dark moment in their life, or somebody was in yeah. sick, and they so, so so when they hear somebody singing it, and in their mind, when they heard it, that's what's gonna stay with them forever. And so that's why they're so hard when it comes to church music, because church music is different. I can I can hear a different version of a Marvin Gaye song, and I'm cool with it, boy. Yeah, come on now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but don't but don't mess up my church song. Don't hey, come on, come on, now, come
1: on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. And that's I mean,
2: that's, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And that's why that's
1: why when I look at you, man, I'll be, I be checking you out, man, because, you know, my boy Kurt and everybody and Jesse's doing the production over there, VT. I've always been a big fan of what they're doing for the gospel lane because of the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, we all know that these type of shows aren't always the best both watch shows, but they need it, man. They're necessary because they, they fill mm-hmm. a void and they also allow us to share in, a, I, I call it a good food, eating good food. You know, all always want to do a good food yeah. for your soul. And that's what good church gospel shows are. And so with, with you being a judge, has it helped your brand from a social standpoint or from a marketing standpoint? Y'all, you, know, you walking in the airports? People recognize you, you going to 7-Eleven people say, Hey, my man, Jay,
2: Jay, Jay. How's it help your yeah. brand overall? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's great because, you know, honestly, because of the way my music is. And uh, honestly, you, you're saying that, you know, back in the day, uh, back when you guys were touring with Kurt, you know, you would see that the church folks and people that wanted to come to the concert, right? Sometimes they're listening to the R&B stations. Was well, even even it's even more spread out now. You mm-hmm. think you kind of knew you, you don't you can't even track black people now much less you know <laughs> the black people that go to church, right? Right, we all over the place, right? You know what I'm saying? So so you know, bringing you know when you when you get to do the type of music that I do, and I've been actually touring clubs and venues i haven't toured a church in a very long time right. you know as far as um you know just going from from church to church so the thing is we have to we get to find people in different places but BT sunday best that was still kind of a hub for a different generation like a, maybe an older generation yes, of gospel people yes, that mm-hmm. you know before everything got all chaotic you mm-hmm. know before before we started spreading out and and you know our generation we we barely went to church growing up, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But the generation that really did, um, you know, they're still watching Sunday best. And those are the people, oh, absolutely. uh, they'll, 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 they'll call me young buck in the middle of, you know, the airport. Young buck. Cause that's what Kurt calls me. Right. Right? So I know it, I know that's <laughs> where they got it from. I yeah. know they, they watch Sunday Best. Sunday. Well, I,
1: I love Kirk Franklin. He can do no wrong with me, man. That brother, man is so special to me. And you know, of the 13 years we did, uh, uh, Celebration of gospel That brand that Steve's is So deep in the black community So I know how loyal black people are And so you're getting a base, Jonathan That is loyal for you Will follow you to your grave And pray for you when you're sick And celebrate your success And that's what you really want When you're talking about your brand And building your brand And then from an educational standpoint You have a master's in what now? What's your master's in?
2: I got theology, master, right? Masters in biblical study. Yep.
1: Yeah, and, and and so you're a professor at Columbia College. Tell me, uh, how are you marrying all these different lanes and 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 still be a good looking guy? You know, because in the end, you're still a good looking guy. Okay, John. <laughs> Thank you, man. Let's go be real now. You're good looking guy now. A lot of things going on in your life now. You know. How are you juggling it's, All these balls it's, it's, Up in there
2: it's, it's definitely A juggle bro It's, it's <laughs> definitely it's Definitely tough So But I love know, it man me As I grow stronger Yes sir Because now, no, I mean it's crazy man I love all those lanes Man mm-hmm. I love I love the different looks You know mm-hmm. I love being a adjunct professor At Columbia That's one Actually that's probably One of the favorite parts Of my life Right uh, I took off of this uh, semester So I could tour But uh, you know That's really um, my, One of my favorite things To do is teach As a matter of fact I've had to choose between singing and teaching. Unless the Lord told me something different, I probably would choose teaching. So mm-hmm. it's just really, uh, you know, one of my favorite parts. And, you know, all of that, man, it, it keeps me, you know, uh, it keeps you, you know, uh, the the Bible in Ecclesiastes, it says invest in seven ventures, even eight, because you don't know what disaster will come upon the land. Basically, you don't know which one of these things are going to succeed. You know what I'm saying? So don't don't put all your eggs in one basket. So I really... Appreciate, you know, just kind of diversifying, not just with money, but just with my enjoyment in life and my fulfillment. That it doesn't always have to all come from music and singing. There's it. some that comes from teaching, there's some that comes from my nonprofit, which is Elihu Nation, which is really even more teaching just uh, about wisdom and more spiritual things. Uh, it, those are the things that really keep me fulfilled um, and, and, you know, diversifies my life.
1: Well, you know, uh, first of all, you know, he recently gave out a $30,000 in scholarship. We're going to go there, but it's nonprofit. Let's let's tell everybody what he does. He speaks it and he does it at the same time. But you got an upcoming performance coming up in the 51st annual Dove Awards. Tell us about that. It's October 30th on TBN. Another big branding moment for you. When when I talk about money-making conversation, it's about branding. It's about marketing. It's about doing the things to keep your platform moving forward. You have great relationships with my man Music. You got, you know, Kurt Franklin, you, you, you you're teaching in college, uh, you, you're touring in clubs, you have two back to back seasons on Sunday best. And now you have the Dove Awards. That really is what you what you're trying to do. You're trying to build like a model for success.
2: That, that sounds good. When you list listed like that. Thank you. Well, I was looking, I'm just, general, I'm just <laughs> repeating good. what I know about you. you know, I brought you on the show because Hell guess man.
1: what? You got it going on when I start saying. And that's what I want people to understand is that sometimes people are pigeonholed. You, oh, you can't do this. You're only supposed to do this. And I say to anybody, yeah. if you there are 24 hours in the day. Learn to take advantage of each hour. That's what I tell people. Mm-hmm. So now, if you're struggling saying I'm not a morning person, there are people out there who get up in the morning and do things while you're sleeping. And that's the type of person I see you as, Jonathan. You're a person that said, God has given me the ability to wake myself up, breathe and move forward physically with no restraints. You know, I'm
2: not. Well, I'm going to say I'm I'm not I'm not always a morning person, but I'm definitely I'll stay up all night until it's done person, too. So,
1: well, you know, uh, well, you got If you if you push if you push it morning before you get up, you gotta get some sleep to get back up. Okay. <laughs> <That's true>. Yes, <Yeah. laughs> So I ain't gonna get mad at you, gentlemen. So so tell us about the TBN experience that you're gonna do with uh, the Dove Awards on October 30th.
2: Yeah, man, I'm excited about it, man. You know, GMA has always supported me and my music. It's kind of a a platform that uh, you know has tried its best to kind of diversify the the Christian music experience. Yes. I mean, we got some stuff over here in gospel, but you know, there's CCM, there's that worship music, mm-hmm. uh, there's hip hop, there's you know, there's bluegrass, you know what I'm saying? There's a whole bunch that, that falls under uh, Jesus music. And so they uh, do, they do what they can to kind of show and platform all those different things. And so I'm honored, man, that they, that they brought me on the show. Uh, it's proven to be a real good um, meeting ground for a lot of different cultures. Uh, especially in these crazy times, uh, times of protest and, you know, just kind of racial tension and all the other stuff. It's been a, a really good platform to kind of talk about things, uh, from a like minded space, you know, saying mm-hmm. what brings us together at the very least is Jesus, you know? So, uh, we have, uh, been able to have real good conversations. And then, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, sing and it's gonna be really dope. I like the way that they're positioning the whole thing. It's really just tell the story of uh of, of of racial tension and unity awesome. uh but how the church could do something about it
1: i tell you i just had lecrae on the show we talked about that my boy travis green has been on the show molly music we just talked about it. he's doing the song the single with you that's moving on that's uh, out now and uh now jonathan mc reynolds i want to thank you for coming on the show man grammy nominated stellar award winning artist songwriter producer you know uh all around uh he got twenty four hours in a day, and I tell you, this young man, he may not be a morning person, but when he goes to sleep, he tired. I'm just letting you know, he tired. <laughs> I'm definitely he yeah, tired. <laughs> that's, that's hey, hey John, thanks for coming, the show, man. Thank for coming on the show, oh, man. I thank for coming on the show. Hope you had a good time, man. I know it's the first time we I've interviewed you on the show. I always know these doors are open, man. I, when people come on the show, man, I put your brand out there, brother, with social media, newsletters, all kind of things, because your brand needs to be recognized as a true success story, my friend.
2: Okay. Thank you, man. I can tell you a really good brother. Thank you so much, man. We talk soon. appreciate it.
1: appreciate you. We talk soon, my friend. All right. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to MoneyMakingConversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. Cool.
0: We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial.
3: Organ donations save lives and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Denae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African-American Transplant Access Program.
4: So this is my baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee, and it's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging to access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to, you know, some type of meaningful life. For more
5: information, visit
1: nm.org slash radio. I am Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Kurt Franklin. Since making his debut in the early 90s, Kirk Franklin has established himself as a trailblazer, icon in contemporary music. He first burst onto the world stage with the song, While We Sing, forever changing the look and sound of gospel music.
6: That was really the
1: foundation
2: of my career. It just opened up doors for me to work with so many incredible people. It kind of starts with with uh, me just getting with God, you know, just kind of be at the piano and, and just write, you know, and, and I just write and spend a lot of time just, Asking God to give me something significant to say, something that can be transformative.
7: Kathy Moker Swag Award represents
1: men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who are genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest, Reverend Al Sharpton, is an internationally renowned civil rights leader, founder, and president of the National National Action Network. National Action Network is one of the leading civil rights organizations in the nation with 106 chapters nationwide. Reverend Al Sharpton hosts a daily radio show, Keeping It Real, with Reverend Al Sharpton, and a national cable television show entitled Politics Nation. He does a combined 17 hours of television and radio media every week, and his new book, Rise Up, which We'll be talking about on the show confronting a country at the crossroads. The Reverend Al Sharpton draws on his decades of unique experience as a civil rights leader, a politician and a radio and television and radio hosts to encourage voters to stand up for what they believe and enact change in their country. Please welcome to Money-Making Conversation, Reverend Al Sharpton. Hello there. How you doing, my friend?
7: The book, Good, how you doing, Rashawn?
1: Before we, before we got on the air, I, I, was re, I read the book the last couple of I, I try to read a book that's close to my interview, so everything stays fresh, Reverend Al Sharpton. I started yesterday, I wrapped it up. I got up at 4 o'clock this morning and wrapped it up this morning. Uh, the book was so uh, compelling because it felt like because the, the the things you were talking about were just like in the news almost yesterday, and here am i am out reading a book today. So yeah. when, when did you wrap, when did you stop writing the book and turn it over to the publisher to make it such a relevant and current event book?
7: Well, what happened is uh, in uh, early spring, right? I started writing and I said that I wanted to write a book because I felt that the country was at the crossroads Uh, in many of the things that we have dealt with for the last half a century as a country, the Mm -hmm. fight around uh, black lives and and our civil rights for African Americans, Mm -hmm. the fight around gender equality for women, the fight around LGBTQ rights, the fight around health care. And it was a stark contrast between the way the past administration uh, Barack Obama, all the way back to the days of Dr. King, when I was just a kid, right. was going one way, and now the way this uh, president administration has gone in those areas. And then uh, the pandemic hit. So I said to the publisher, wait a minute, let me uh, put the pandemic in, not knowing it would last as long as it did, because as you know, in early March, when it started really hitting, we thought it would be over by Easter, and right. then Easter turned into the 4th of July. <laughs> right. So I I kept adding and kept adding and updating until uh, George Floyd happened, and I really had to delay it because I ended up in the middle of all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I finally said right before we did the big march on Washington, August 28th, that that was it. I was going to have to close it because it looks like things were not going to, Calm down. So I wrote all the way till late August. Wow.
1: You know, when I look at these, uh, you know, I've been known you a long time, you know, my relationship with Steve Harvey, I still have a positive relationship with Steve uh, and trying to define who my who, what my voice is and listening to your voice. And I see what it really is, And it, because I want to call out some information about the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, which is about police accountability reform. Bernard Getz in 1984, which you marched on, shot four black men on the subway. This is about, you discuss this in your book. He was ultimately cleared of attempted murder and served less than a year in jail for illegal firearms. That's what they're charging for. Today, right. Bernard Guess is still living in New York City, okay? Then you had the Howard Beach incident in 1986, which you discuss in your book, when Michael Griffin was struck and killed by a passenger motor after being ch- chased by a white mob. Then in 1989, the Benson Hurst incident, another white mob and 16 year old Yusuf Hawkins was shot and killed. Sean Bell, 50 bullets. Now fast forward to in his back and now fast forward to Eric Garner in 2014 and George Floyd in 2020. I say I have to ask you about the Black Lives Matter movement because you've been doing this for a long time. And people kind of act like this movement just started. Because it's been publicized so much in the media in 2016, 2017, uh, you know, the Trump administration led by Rudy Giuliani, they try to call it a terrorist group, an organization or made accusation that was that. Tell us from your your standpoint, what is the Black Lives Matter movement?
7: I think it is a movement that uh, is really calling on accountability of mm-hmm. police. I don't think it's even an anti-police movement is an anti-bad police uh movement and i think it has been effective and it has grown uh y- you know when Trayvon Martin was right. killed uh in uh 2012 in Sanford Florida uh and ironically uh president Trump is kicking off his you know coming out of covid uh with his first rally in Sanford Florida Right. And uh, at the same exact location Uh, when that happened, they wouldn't even arrest George Zimmerman, who shot and killed uh, Trayvon and his parents and attorney Ben Crump, who has worked with uh, uh, me and National Action Network for other cases, came to me. I had not even heard of Trayvon. And uh, attorney Crump said, "Uh, that's why we came to you. Trayvon had already been funeralized and buried for about two weeks. They said, we want you to help make this a national issue. So I got uh, on it, and I said, well, let's have a rally right there in Sanford. And uh, uh, we called uh, some of our people, uh, chapters around Florida, but then we also called our national radio people. One of the people that uh, I called and the listeners need to know was you. Oh, got Steve in there on it.
2: Yes, he did.
7: I mean, let's not act like a lot of these cases, you didn't get the first call, and you say, Steve, we better get on this, and then you started with your own media platform. But Mm -hmm. you you were my link because, you know, Steve is all over the place. Right, right. As you were, but you would call me right back because you said, Rev wouldn't call me if it wasn't important. Mm -hmm. And uh, we beat the drums, and we put 10,000 people in in, uh, Sanford, and it happened to be uh, when I was getting ready to get on a plane to head to uh, Orlando that day, cause I flew to Orlando to drive to Sanford. I got to word my mother died
8: mm-hmm. who
7: had been sick. And I went anyway, cause I felt my mother would have wanted me to do that. And I did. And we got uh, enough people to where they felt the pressure. They arrested Zimmerman. as he went on uh, a few months later, went on to trial. As you know, he was acquitted that night Three young ladies sat out and wrote the hashtag Black Lives Matter and uh it blew up and became a theme. And it uh went through a lot of the protests around Trayvon all the way in Eric Gardner and mm-hmm. and uh Michael Brown in uh in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. And then it kinda of lulled for a minute and then it picked back up when we started seeing a rash of other uh, cases. So to say that they are terrorists, these were three brilliant sisters that captured a phrase that captured exactly how we all felt, that we didn't matter. You can shoot a kid with a make-believe security guard. He wasn't even that and acquit him, we matter. And it wasn't saying others did not matter. It was saying that you act like we don't matter and we're affirming that we do. You get in life what you affirm yourself to be. And I think that that movement grew they formed some Black Lives Matter organizations. They worked along, in many cases, with other groups. In some cases, they didn't. The Three Sisters worked uh, very closely with us in National Action Network and other groups. And it's always been like that. As as you know, mm-hmm. back in the days when you and I were kids, uh, uh, They, you had the NACP, you had Dr. King, you right. had... Uh, uh, core, mm-hmm. but then you also had Malcolm X, right. and you also had the students sitting in. Dr. King didn't sit in on a lunch counter or ride a bus. So I think a lot of the media are lazy and don't deal with the fact that we're not looking at anything different. There are different ways that people express their outrage, but all of us are trying to fight for change. Black Lives Matter is not terrorists. They're trying to stop the terrorism. When police can shoot a man, in his back, uh, running away from them, as the case in Kenosha, right. uh, and and when a, a police can uh, shoot a man at Wendy's that is intoxicated. Uh, and, and, and he's running away. That's terrorism. So how do they call that terrorism and, and, and not and call those that are peacefully protested, many of them white, right. saying Black Lives Matter? How does that become terrorist?
1: We know that I'm speaking of that, because that's that's the part that really changed for me was the white participation in the protests because of the fact that, you know, we all know there was a scheme out there to make it a black violent crime situation. Don't trust black people. We're going to tear up your neighborhoods and create white fear. But in this particular movement, after the George Floyd White people were marching, and not just That's a few right. white people were marching. I, I watch TV, and I just see white people just walk by my screen on television. And then a black person, then more white people, then a black person. What do you? Why do you feel that has been a tremendous upswell in white people being angry, being annoyed, being upset? Because we know it's white people important. We know it's white people in Seattle. There's not black people up there. It's white people.
7: That's right. That's right. Well, let me say uh, this. I think what happened was because of the George Floyd video came out during the pandemic. Everyone was shut down and couldn't go out. There was no distractions. As you turned on the TV, people were watching the news trying to get the update on the pandemic. When will this break? When can I go out? When can I go to work? And they're watching the news. They had no distractions because you couldn't watch the ball game because there was no ball games. There's no baseball, no basketball, no anything. And I think this is the first time that the whole country was locked into having to watch this video over and over again on the news. And a lot of whites just said, this is outrageous. And it ex- exploded. So many of the whites that didn't see the videotape on Eric Garner when he died from a chokehold from a New York City policeman, they saw what happened to, uh, to George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And then when they, when you emphasize to them, that this man, the policeman, had his knee on his neck eight minutes and 41 seconds. They were saying, wait a minute, that's just beyond the pale, which is why when I did the eulogy in Minneapolis for George Floyd's family, uh, I asked everybody to stand up and people all over that were watching even uh, all over the country. People stood up, I, I got all kind of tweets saying, I really didn't get it till you told me to stand up because after three minutes, I was tired. How do you have that kind of vigor and rage to hold your knee on somebody's neck that's pulsating and begging for their life unless you have a whole lot of venom in you? And I think it was the graphic of eight minutes and 41 seconds and the fact that everybody saw it that ignited a lot of whites. I went to marches where there were more whites than blacks yes. right there in Minneapolis. Right. And I think that that's what happened and I think that's a good thing so they can't pigeonhole it there's just angry blacks. It's angry Americans saying that we have to do something about bad cops. And good cops ought to be wanting to see something d- bad uh, about bad cops because it makes them look bad.
1: It really does. I'm talking to Reverend Al Sharpton in his new book, Rise Up, Confronting the Country at the Crossroads. Reverend Right now, I'm just uh, read your book, and it's a great read. Uh, I'm gonna just call out some really great line liners and moments in the book uh, that I that I want you to respond to. Uh, one of my favorite lines in the book is, "If if Don King was born white." he will be Trump. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah. Don King, who you and I know, is a great promoter. That's what he is. He doesn't profess to be a uh, political leader or consensus leader. He promotes. He sells his promotion. Mm-hmm. That's who Don King is. Don, Don Donald Trump is the same. He's a promoter. The man... Uh, does not have a political ideology, does not have, uh, a real, uh, philosophy. His thing is he promotes what works, and racism worked for him. Uh, birtherism is how he started his political Absolutely. career, saying the President of the United States was not really one of us. And when he saw that work, he therefore leaned in and used that and has been using racial language and 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 racial leanings ever since And I I told him in our last uh, uh, meeting that because he was saying, why are you calling me a racist? Because if you're comfortable with racism, you've got to have racism in you because there's things that you and I would just not be comfortable with. I don't care how much it was working for us. And that's where uh, I made that uh, assertion. He's a promoter. He's not uh, a thinker. He's not a doer. He's a promoter and
0: he uses whatever works. We'll be right back with more. From Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial.
1: Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the Work and Carshield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24 7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. Carshield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1 800 Car 6000 and mention code MONEY, M O N E Y, or visit Carshield.com and use code MONEY, M O N E Y, to save 10%. That's Carshield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. You know, it's really, uh, absolutely the truth. I, I, I learned, you know, like I said, I was caught up. first of all, caught off guard when he won. I voted against him, but I still was caught off guard when he won. And then when you look at his game plan, he is a, uh, like you said in your book, he's a, he's a, uh, he's a guy, theorist about, uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. You know, he, right. he sits around. When that, when I read last week, when he fought, he, 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 he tweeted, Forty times, forty times in twenty-four hour period, my God, who does that? And, and you do social media, and I do social media. Can we casual social media? It's tiring. I'm just telling you, about it. it's tiring to post. It's tiring to come up with ideas to say in social media for to do it for forty times, Reverend Al. That's really, really ridiculous.
7: And and it it suggests to you if he's supposed to be the head of the free world, how do you even have time to do that forty times? But that's who he is. That's where his focus is. That's where his priority is: is to promote, and he uses social media to do it, and he uses television to do it. And as you said, I was surprised when he won, but the way he was able to manipulate the media, he was rolling over in the bed calling TV shows, and they put him on the air. Yes, they did. And he he got. Tons of free media. Like he's doing with Fox News
1: now. Like he's doing with Fox News now.
7: Right now. He doesn't even have to come in the studio. They don't have to set up the Zoom. He just talks and they let him go. And that's a promoter, but it's dangerous for the future of the country. You have to ask yourself, when I say he has no philosophy, and, and you reiterated that, your show is about how people can really be entrepreneurs or make their ends meet wherever level they want in terms of money. Yes. What is his economic policies? Mm-hmm. I do not know a black businessman in New York that ever got a major contract from the Trump organization. So when he says the blacks uh, work with me, the only record we have is him as a businessman. I don't know a big black firm or small one that could say, I was able to expand my business and get a major contract through Donald Trump. It takes effort to be in New York, as you know, mm-hmm. and do business and never do business with blacks or Latinos. It takes effort, effort,
1: effort. because we wanted we are it's too many of us. First of all, especially when you go to the boroughs, it's if we just right. populate. And I've right. always said that the, the the five boroughs in each one of the five boroughs have more black people than most major cities in this United States So trying to avoid a black person And then when you include the Latinos It's ridiculous when you say you can't do business It was just like, you know, the the CEO of uh, Wells Fargo Said he can't qualify black people to work for him When people can exactly. make these statements They make these statements because guess what They don't want to associate themselves Or accept the fact that we compete And when I look at you And and I've been blessed to you know, know, know uh, uh, Jesse Jackson I know you for a long time Being associated with Steve We've, We sat down a very intimate situation and trying to motivate black people with information and that's what you've all been about me is with information that's why I always returned your phone calls so quickly because I say he called me he needs something and uh, yeah. he needs something I gotta be there to assist now I, I, at the start of the interview I talked about the movements that you've been involved with most notably since 1984 the movements the marches the marches the marches the marches are such a dominant voice right now and what we're doing and they're going on right now they just don't report them anymore people are still marching yeah. in this country they're just marching.
8: That's right. They're That's just not right.
1: reporting it, but people are still marching because of the fact that, that Donald Trump was making it a political issue, but now he realized it doesn't work. Guess what? He's backed off. Like they're not right. happening anymore, you know? Right. And, but not saying anything about those same guys who went up to the, in Michigan, who tried to kidnap and possibly kill the governor were the same idiots in March who he said, liberate Michigan.
7: He said, liberate Michigan. He uh, helped to put some uh or some gas on the fire and these guys that's terrorists why mm-hmm. isn't he calling them terrorists why isn't he calling them out and these guys can you imagine if uh some black guys talked about kidnapping a governor yes uh, or, or any latinos or some mexicans mm-hmm. uh, or muslims mm-hmm. he would have been gone bananas he'd have sent out every National Guard he could. But these are whites, he has nothing to say, hasn't denounced it. And they literally were talking about starting a civil war.
1: And, and Absolutely. And some of them really didn't care about him. You know, they were just anti-governor. That's why government. So that's why it's really crazy when you realize that the people you're trying to motivate are really anti-you and anti-government and really are terrorists, just like you said. They are domestic terrorists. And he's not even acknowledging that. And nor is uh, Mike Pence either. And that's the information I just try to deliver on my show. It's an entrepreneurial show. But guess what? What they're doing in the White House affects us. What they're doing in the White House affects us as black people with COVID-19 because we're overtly affected by the 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 way we eat, through our lifestyles, all that, but our finances are being affected by COVID-19 and the financial packages that they failed to approve. When you look at all this happening in 2020, and you and I have been around a long time, Reverend Al, what is your, your take on this? What is our future? And how important is November 3rd for everybody to get out and vote?
7: Our future is in our hands. We have the numbers if we come out and vote in these various states. Uh, to turn this around and not for Joe Biden, but for us, Yes, we can't afford to lose the Affordable Care Act. We can't afford to lose voting rights, which in many states, they have changed the voting uh, laws. And uh, we need the Voting Rights Act to be empowered more uh, with the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill that has passed the House of Representatives, but has not even been, been put in front of the Senate because McConnell uh will not put it up. But if uh, the the majority of the Senate changes the Democrat, it won't be up to McConnell, It'll be up to the new majority leader would probably be Chuck Schumer. We cannot afford for them to turn back affirmative action that's going in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, so these all of these issues say then we have got to stand up and take our future magic is not going to bring us uh, a reverse and liberation. We've got to do the work. Uh, God is not going to come and do it. God has given us the strength to do it. And we've got to vote that our forefathers who uh, had faith in God fought to get us. We need to use it in a mass way. And as you said, it is related to entrepreneurship and business. The guy called me one day on the show, uh, my radio show and said, well, Reverend Al, I ain't into politics. I want to go in business. I said, but you can't go in business without dealing with the political reality. Where you want to set up your store, is a zoning board decides whether Thank it you. can be a business day, a commercial, or whether it's residential. That's political. Uh, the regulations you're gonna have to follow is decided by regulators, that's political. Everything you do, how you bank, what the interest rates are, all of that is political. So you can't run from it in the name of, I'm in business, I'm not in politics. To be in business is to have to engage in who makes the political decisions. That's why you should at least vote to make sure you have the people in there that are sensitive to your issues and your interests. It's,
1: it's What a powerful statement. And that's why I try to tell people. You can't have a closed-minded approach to it doesn't bother me. It's not affecting me. It's not in my neighborhood. That's them. And them look like you. You can't talk like that. Right. Because right. eventually, I always tell people, they pulled George Floyd out of a Mercedes-Benz. Okay. That's, that's what I tell people all the time. Remember the car right. he, he got pulled out of. It wasn't a jalopy. Right. He wasn't on the side of the street looking homeless. They pulled him out of Mercedes-Benz. And st- right. and, t- and so that means that economic structure means nothing to people who devalue you because of your color or you as a human being. But when I was reading the book, uh, you know, your book Rise Up, um, what compelled you to write the book? Because there's so many layers. It talks about you know four years old when you started your James Brown experience and what he taught you. And and the, and the one of my favorite lines in there is like, in my life I run with dreamers and schemers. Martin Luther <laughs> King Jr., Nelson Mandela, and John Lewis are dreamers. Roger Stone, Don King, and Donald Trump are schemers. And then I added this line: Good outruns bad. Only if you stay the course. That's your line. Now I just yeah. put it together because that is absolutely the truth. What we're talking about right now with this election: good outruns bad if we stay the course and vote. Because t- we're yeah, letting we let too many stay schemers win. We've let too many schemers win, Reverend Al Sharpton.
7: That's right. That's right. And we let them win because we don't do our best. We don't stay committed and dedicated and disciplined. But if you stay the course, no matter what. There is going to be a win. There is always light at the end of the tunnel if you don't give up midway the tunnel, and you just got to keep going.
1: And one of the great things I wanted to bring out in the book was uh, that you brought out in the book because of the fact that who? who well, I, did you write the book? Do you have a ghostwriter? How did, how did no, I wrote, it. The, I wrote wow, it. I wrote fantastic, it. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Mike Eric Dyson. Now he put some pay. He put some work in that. Uh, that forward, now uh, He put some words in yeah, that did. forward.
7: Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, he and, did.
1: And uh, because of the fact that he told me some things, he got me excited about the book, Michael Eric. And I went, wow, this is powerful stuff. When I went into the book, I went, wow, this is really it's things I didn't know about you. And one of the things that was compelling to me was the fact that the gold medal you wear around your neck is not jewelry. Tell everybody about it, being an award.
7: When I did the march that you mentioned in Howard Beach in 86, uh, where we were uh, marching about uh, three black uh, young men were attacked mm-hmm. for being in the Howard Beach section of Queens, New York, which was mob dominated at that time. Uh, and we kept marching. We ended up getting three of those young men indicted for uh, manslaughter. Josea Williams, who was one of Dr. King's chief lieutenants uh, years before, came in New York. And he would give people the Martin Luther King medallions he had made to sort of knight them that you have worked in the spirit of Dr. King, who he worked with for so long. And uh, he came to the rally and hung that around my neck. And it made me feel like if I was in the uh, the streets, it made you feel like a made man. <laughs> right. He yeah, right. was one of the main elders of the movement mm-hmm. uh, that I had looked up to all my life, knighting me with this Martin Luther King, and I think I slept with him for three days. Mm-hmm. So I would wear it all the time because I was so honored by it. And the press with all him and in the day and even some blacks what did he wear jury for? It wasn't jury. It was an award from uh from Hosea Williams. Now yeah I wore tracksuits But I was a young guy. That was what we wore in those days. Run DMC,
1: come on now.
7: Run (laughs) DMC, Curtis Blow. All of them were my contemporaries. I I grew up, Spike Lee, Russell Simmons, all of us was Brooklyn and Queens, same age group. We grew up together, and I dressed my age. I wasn't, you know, Jesse was 13, 14 years older than me, and and, uh, John Lewis and them, they were a generation ahead of me. I dressed like my generation. And uh, so people made caricatures out of it, but I was just being me. And I talk about that in the book. Yes, you be yourself. Do. Be authentic. You don't have to try and 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 cramp your style or readjust your style. Be you, because if you understand your self value and have real self awareness, you can make it work.
1: And you are making it work. And in closing, uh, uh, Reverend Arrow, how can one be an activist? You know, how can one use the media? And because that's important right now, because you've been doing it so long. You you know, you've written a book on. On motivation, seeing us seeing it through, you know, right. getting through the through, through from the positive, from the negative to the positive. Talk about how can one be an activist?
7: One can be an activist by first determining what it is you want to get done. It doesn't have to be a huge march. It doesn't have to be uh, something everybody talks about. It could be I want to do something in my neighborhood. I want to do something in my church. Something in my business. Uh, something in my workplace. Set a goal and then be determined to get that done. And in your local or even bigger than that, use the media to tell your story. Don't have the media be your goal, have the media be your means to a goal. Marching doesn't solve a problem. Marching exposes a problem. But if somebody doesn't know how to expose a problem, you'll never force those in power to deal with it. As long as they can operate in the dark, they will continue to do whatever they wanna do. But as soon as you put the light on something, everyone has to adjust because everyone's looking at what's being done. Wow.
1: Rise Up, Confronting a Country at the Crossroads. A new book out by Reverend Al Sharpton. Reverend Al, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, tell, them to, tell them to come and send me some flyers. I got over a million social media followers. I got a fan club, right. over 90,000 fan club members. I want to send you flyers out with a link so we can sell this book. It's a great book. As you know, I've read it. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm going I'm to share it with my friends and tell them when I say share, share the link to buy. I don't just share books. I say well, hey, buy. I I it. It. We're trying to sell books here. we try to get number one on best sellers and stuff like this if we try to win here
7: but it's a great I appreciate it well I will send it to you and uh let me tell you something there's only about 20 25 people in the world whose opinion matters to me and Rashawn you are definitely on that list
1: I appreciate it much respect man and you I respect you thank you you. thank you my friend bye-bye all
7: right take care Mm -hmm.
1: if you want to hear more money-making conversations please go to moneymakingconversation.com I'm Rashawn McDonald I'm your host my next guest is chef Ron DePratt in 2019, he was named Industry Chef of the Year. Currently, he is the Food and Beverage Director, Executive Chef at Amarillo Golf and Country Club in Amarillo, Texas. I'm a Texas boy, born and raised in Houston, Texas. He, gained, he first gained recognition when he competed in Bravo TV's Top Chef. With his magnetic personality and fond demeanor, there was no keeping him off TV. Then he went on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, Iron Chef America, Beat Bobby Flay on the Food Network. He always amazes judges with his exotic foods that combine rich Caribbean and French flavors. Ron has also been featured on The View to today's show, BET, Access Hollywood, Essence Magazine, Huffington Post, and Oprah Magazine, just to name a few. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations for the very first time, my man, Chef Ron DuPrat. Thank you, thank you. Excited to be with you guys. Well, I, I, when, when we're on TV, you excite me because uh, I'm a foodie. <laughs> I'm a foodie, Ron. So, so when I see a man who can deliver the plate, you are the king to me. You are the king. Yes, sir. Can't wait to cook with you. Well, let's let's talk about you in general. You know, I'm 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 born and raised in Houston, Texas, and uh, my my initial background uh, when I before I became the person I am right I, I I left IBM and became a touring stand-up comic and so I performed in Amarillo several times in fact I've done some New Year's Eve show back in the day so I'm very familiar with the 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 the, the, the lifestyle the culture of Amarillo Texas and you know Texas is a hot state when it comes to heat how did you miss barbecue that's what I want to know. Now, I'll, how did you, you know, I'm a barbecue king. Now, how did I, I didn't see anything out there saying barbecue. Nothing that's an insult to you. I'm just saying, talk about your oranges and how you got to become the chef that you are today.
6: Well, as you know, uh, I have no limits. Bar- barbecue is not my specialty, but I make some of the best barbecue anyone ever make. I can take anyone down and barbecue. Mm-hmm.
8: It's not
6: my specialty. As you know, my specialty is French and an Afro Caribbean. Yes. But I'm in Texas. As you know, in Texas is where that you do it or you can't do it. There you go. Come on,
1: Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, because you know, you know. That's what I'm excited. Every time I see you on, I'm not like, I apologize for interrupting. Keep talking, Rob, because you're talking about food now. You you were talking a little smack there, so I had to dive in. But keep talking, because I love talking, listening to you on TV. And watching
6: Yeah, so you know, barbecue is not my specialties, but I do some badass barbecue
1: mm-hmm.
8: and I can
6: take anyone, anywhere, any place. As you know, Netflix reached out to me, they want me to do a barbecue show. Right. And I said, No, you're gonna pay me I'm not gonna do it. So right. that's why I don't do it because I guess they know I have some barbecue skills.
1: Mhm. Mm hmm. Now, how did you get now into the whole cooking genre, you know, because of the fact that was it something you as a child that you was excited about when you went in the kitchen? You just had these natural skills. Did you go to school? Give us your background, Ron.
6: Well, my background, I was born and raised in Haiti,
8: mm-hmm. uh,
6: uh, you know, in Haiti at the time growing up, milk wasn't allowed in the kitchen. There's a couple of things for you to be in the kitchen is whether you're super poor or you are gay. Right. And uh and I, I wasn't neither of them. So the objective was to find a happy median. So when I get to the state, I start working at Little Italy. Mm-hmm. I work with uh a gentleman by the name of Philip Moran and his wife Anna Moran. And after that I move on to work with Chef uh Randall H. Cox, Chef Adam Savage. Uh, Bob Zappatelli from Benchmark International, and some of these people who have shaped up my career. And after that, I went to school in France. I to have the to a court de cuisine because I want to be, I want to be better than anyone else on this planet. I want to make as much money as anyone. And I don't want people to look at me for hours round the practice. I want everyone to look at me as a chef. So that's why part of my career. As you know, I have worked from uh, the most prestigious place in the world. I was the executive chef at Montauk Yacht Club, the executive chef Pelican Bay, the executive chef Ritz Carlton, the executive chef at uh, uh, Bridgewater Country Club, the executive chef Gulf Harbor Country Club, and now executive chef at the Amarillo Country Club.
1: Okay, now, and I love it. I love it. See, see, you know, what I like about you, Ron. You put your resume out there. OK, you know, you know, you know, it's like it's like, you know, it's like we drawing down in the middle of the street in the old Western town. You know, we staring each yes, other. Sir. Down. Yes, sir. You, know, say, yes sir. you know, you pull out, a, you pull out a plate. I pull out a plate. You pull out a plate. I pull out a plate. I can assure you I'm going to run out of plates talking to you. Run. OK, I'm
8: just
6: letting uh, you know. That. Well, you know, to me, it's a good experience talking to you. You have been I mean, I have I am your number one fan. I love what you do. I have been following you. And I think you're giving, I think I can say some of the things I like do because of what you do. I think Thank you, you open so many doors for me mm-hmm. and I'm just happy to talk to you connected
1: to you. Well, we're going to continue this relationship offline because of the fact that, you know, it's amazing how you look at people, and I've watched you on TV, and I just love your energy and your direction and what you're doing with your career and your honesty, and, that, and didn't know that I had that type of effect in your life in such a positive manner, and that's my life. My life is about uplift. Ever since I've been 18, I've always, for some reason, my DNA has always been, how can I make somebody else's life better? Because in the end, it's going to make my life better. And so that's why I do money-making conversations. And I very much thank you for what you're saying about me, because that means it's, it's, somebody's getting it. you know? And I, and I get it from a lot of people, and it makes me feel good, because this is free. I'm, I, 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 I convince a talented person like you to come on my show to tell their story, because that story that you have... Can resonate success for somebody else. Uh, yes, sir. Now, now let's talk about just talk about you in general with this this cooking style of yours. Now, because I want people to understand, okay, you came from Haiti, and I love Caribbean food. You know, jerk pork. I tell you, Woo! vegetables, <laughs> cabbage. Ugh. I'm telling me. See, some people, some people do it right, some people do it wrong, and you know what I'm talking about. Some people commercialize it. And so, so, cause that's why it's kind of hard to find some good jerk pork stateside and, and, and they don't want to give you jerk chicken. They want to give a jerk pork is my man. That's me right now, Ron. I love me some jerk pork. Now, tell thanks, me thanks, your, thanks. so tell me what exactly is Caribbean style cooking? Tell us about that.
6: Well, I've you know, seen different parts of the Caribbean. Yes, sir. It would take us all day to explain some of the, Caribbean. As you know, uh, where I'm from, we were first Hispaniola, yes, where so? were the Spanish. Mm-hmm,
8: mm-hmm. After
6: that, we became been French. After that, we became American. So first, we were slaves from Africa. So we take the African cuisine and we mix it with Spanish and we wow. create our own flavor. So now you have African, you have Spanish, and you have French. So this is this so different, confused, corny uh, background. Uh, and it just, um, it just, that's why I call it Afro Caribbean. Right. First, as an African American, right. as chef,
8: mm-hmm. I always
6: bring the spice, I always bring the marinade. The seasoning. There you go. And that's what makes us different than anybody else.
1: That's important. Now, now let's talk about the French accent that you bring to your food. Explain to us that, about that. As you know,
6: uh, there have been an evolving about food. You know, the typical French cuisine is butter, it's soupy, the liquid nitrogen, it's stuff like that. But you know, working with and a country club where everyone is very contagious of their health. Right. So we have to take the butter out of it. Mm. Well, if we take the butter out of it, so we have to bring a Caribbean flavor, which is the marinade, the spice, the herbs, the garlic, the shallots, the thyme, the rosemary, the green onion, the scotch bonnet pepper. So even we don't use that much butter, but we take that marinated flavor to bring the French Caribbean accent. This is how our food is different. As you know, there's so many chefs. Everybody thinks we are the best chef on earth. Absolutely. You know, but we all do our thing.
1: Now let me ask you this, because this, because, because uh, you, you're, you're one of these top of the food chain chefs, because you're recognized. You've been on TV. You've received awards, incredible industry awards. Now, okay, how if if somebody's listening, uh, trying to uh, not not make it to where you're getting, but trying to get into the business. What are some of the early steps that a person can do?
6: Discipline, 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 discipline. And did I say discipline? Yes, it. discipline, focus, discipline, focus, Stay true to yourself, keep learning and follow your craft because that's the only way. As you know, Everyone thinks they're going to be on Food Network or on Bravo, Top Chef, or Iron Chef America, or and then they forget about the step to learn how to become a great chef. Right. You can be on TV making a fool of yourself, but there's certain time you have to be able to cook. You cannot uh, complaining, always looking for a handout. You have to be better than anyone else. So this is uh, one of the first. African-American chef, graduated from CIA in 1947. Mm. His name is Jefferson Evans. Uh, when I was watching his, some of his early career, he went to look for a job, and the white man told him, Jeff, I will hire you. There's one thing I want to tell you. You have to do two times more than what this man can do for me to hire you. So mm. I always look at that. I know I have to do more. I know I have to work harder than everyone else. But I enjoy doing it, but that's the only thing I know to do. To be the best, you got to push every day. You got to practice. As you know, if you know how much Michael Jordan practiced, mm-hmm. how much Kobe Bryant practiced, if you look at Tom Brady, how much they practice. it's all about practice, try to better and stay true to yourself and then have discipline. It's all about discipline. doesn't matter how good you are, but if you don't have discipline, you will fail.
1: You know, when I uh, thank you that you are absolutely true, you know, I look at people, they, they they look at my life and I get up at four o'clock in the morning and some people go, Woo, that's too early for me. OK, I don't know what career you're planning, but there, there, there has to be a set time that you have to get up every day to be successful. You can't get up at five one day and six one day and seven one day or get up when the clock allows you to get up with no alarm clock. You have to have a set pattern. That's what you're talking about. Focus. And that's what you're talking about. Hard work. Correct, Ron? Yes,
6: sir. Yes, sir. You can't, uh, I mean, you have to work harder every day because nobody cares if you don't work hard.
1: You know, you can't be an executive chef and people don't know when you're gonna come to work or don't know if you're gonna uh, set the menu the day before or gonna d- d- sample to to make sure everybody's on point. There's a certain in leadership. Let's talk about that too because you you're being an African American man at the mail and male uh, and in this position. In America, And then I'm not saying anything negative, but there are, your position is a rare position and you have to show leadership and uh, diversity and also being able to um, accept any type of criticism. Talk about yes, your role ma- as an executive chef at dominant white institutions so far in your life. Talk about how you navigate that those 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 those, those lanes to be successful and stay at the top of the food chain, so to speak.
6: Well, uh, again, I'm going to talk about discipline. As you know, when I had the first opportunity, when Chef Randall Cox gave me an opportunity, or Adam Savage, or, or, or uh, uh, Bob Zappatelli, when I do James Beard dinner, I don't think it's because I'm better than any chef, but it's my discipline and some of the places I work uh, be able to manage twenty two million dollars for the beverage, wow. be able to have financially uh, responsible. Uh, be able to cover anything if not better than any white chefs. And they all know that. And then to me, I told them I'm chef first and I'm African-American second. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people get offended when I say that. I said, well, if if I was interviewed for a job, there are probably so many people who better than me who could get it. But because I believe in myself, I have a track record working at the Montauk Cat Club in Hawaii, and the list goes on. And I think that gives me an opportunity to be different than
1: everyone else. You know, and that's real important because of the fact that when I look at a talented person like you, and a lot of people, because re- you make it look so easy, first of all, Ron. That, that's that's the scary part of when you're looking at a skilled person. Like Michael Jordan makes a dunk look easy, but, you know, God gave him
8: extra,
1: <laughs> extra hops. Extra hops. And same thing, because you mentioned so like- some... <laughs> You mentioned some incredible people. So when you when you get on these shows, like the, the Bravo TV Top Chef, first of all, tell me, how did you get on the show?
6: Well, uh, in 2008, I did a dinner. I did a sold-out dinner at James Good Foundation in New York. It was something they'd never seen. I'm this kid from Haiti who tried to do Afro-Caribbean cuisine where no one thought I was speaking another language. I wasn't speaking another language, but I was writing my heart and soul. I was putting it in a plate. It's all about the seasoning, it's all about the marinade, it's all about the spice. And it, this is who I am. Sometimes I wish I was someone else, but I'm not. I'm just Roger Pratt. So after that, they were looking for some of the best chefs
8: mm-hmm. in
6: America. As you know, just so you know, I want that to be on record. A seasoned top chef beat the amazing race first time in 18 years. This is how good the season is. The season was. Mm. As you know, competing with the Voltage brothers. Right. With Eli, uh, uh, Michael Voltageo, Brian Voltageo, mm. Hector, Hector, uh, Hector from 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 Elena from, from, from Martin Beria from France, and everyone else. I think this is that was an opportunity for a lifetime, something I would Cherish for the rest of my life. As you know, I didn't know much about this show. When they called me, I told the guy, no, I'm not interested. I'm a better chef. I have everything going for myself. I'm not interested about being on the show. So, you know, and I did what I had to do, and I think that opened so many doors for me. I, now, think now, I now, what, what changed your mind, other.
1: Ron? Okay, you weren't interested, okay, because, you know, you're a bad boy. You, 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 you don't have to prove anything to anybody. Get on the show and st- people start judging you. What changed your mind? Was the, the opportunity to uh, expose your brand or your talents to a bigger audience? What changed your mind? Well,
6: what changed my mind, I always love to push the envelope. And... uh I push it every day and something gonna work, something not gonna work. And I learned from my mistake. I say, let's give it a try. If you work, you work. If it doesn't work, life will go down. I will feel the better shaft. Mm-hmm. But I think being on top chef was an opportunity of a lifetime, something I would cherish for the rest of my life to become current ambassador for the state department, to carry diplomatic passport, to travel the world, to go in Italy with John Kerry, to talk about American food, I don't think if I wasn't a top chef, I was able to do that.
1: Wow. Wow. You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune and now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need Car CarShield Car Shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No longer. Term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24/7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention Code Money M-O-N-E-Y, or visit CarShield.com and use Code Money M-O-N-E-Y to save ten percent that's carshield.com code money a deductible may apply welcome back to money making conversations i'm your host rashawn mcdonald so when you when you look at these things it's about marketing it's about i'm I'm just shifting the whole thing you're a talented person but you're saying that rashawn this tv gave me more doors that opened for me because i did this so if one hesitates hesitates about an opportunity because they feel uncomfortable or they feel that it's not right for them, sometimes it's best served to go and pursue that opportunity because, like you said, it opened doors for you.
6: Yes, yes. You know, life is not about opportunity. Pursue the opportunity to be better. I think uh, uh, um, Top Chef give me a voice. I mean, it's you know, it's the opportunity I have to be able to be a headline keynote speaker on a bank or Mm -hmm. to have a brand call me I would love you to be an ambassador for this company. I don't think I would ever have that wow. opportunity if I was on the top shelf.
1: That's awesome. Now, now this personality here—it it just kind of like fills the screen. Uh, what, what, the resident? What, what, what is that? What did that? What is that fun? That that dynamic? That um, brilliant smile? Where did that come from? Because that's really what what sells me. Because when you when you put a plate down and you smile wrong. I wish I was standing next to you because I'd knock you out the way and start eating because that's what you do, man. <laughs> like I said, you put it down to be eaten. So what did, that, what did that whole personality come from? You have to live every day as a last day
6: because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Uh, as you know what's going on right now in America, mm-hmm. we have to cherish each other because nobody's going to handle anything and you have
1: to do it with a smile. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Yeah, I'm talking to Chef Rhonda Pratt in 2019. He was named Industry Chef of the Year. If his name sounds familiar, it should be. Currently, he's the Food and Beverage Director, Executive Chef at Amarillo Golf and Country Club in Amarillo, Texas. He first gained recognition when we saw him on Bravo's Top Chef, and it's been opening doors ever since. Now, you mentioned something about what's going on in the country right now, and what's going on in the country right now is COVID-19 and covid-19 is overtly affecting people of color, african americans. What is your what is your take on this and what role are you trying to play to help us out? Ron.
6: Well, I think there's more than covid-19 happening right now in america. We mm-hmm. can disagree on that. We can agree to disagree. I think the covid-19 is one of the things happening. Yes, sir. But if you look at all the racial tension uh, the Black Lives Matter. I think this is bigger problem. I understand 200 people die from COVID-19, but there's more people suffer, suffer by police and justice. So many things, I think, is more than COVID-19 happening right now. I think uh, it it is time for everyone, whether it's me, you, to talk about love, to talk about let's get together, let's break bread. And for the COVID-19, let's follow the CDC guideline. let's wash our hands, and let's wear our masks, and let's be respectful.
1: Now, I'm not going to disagree with you, Ron, okay? Because I, I, I am at the forefront of trying to create remedies, trying to create solutions, trying to understand that there are CDC guidelines that must be followed. Because I have to protect you, and you have to protect me. We're family. You know we're, yes, we're, we're, you know we're all in, all in this together, and nobody's playing games out there. And, and unfortunately, people are playing games with that. Now, in your in your kitchen, now when the pandemic hit and uh, the country shut down, how did that affect your business? How did that affect where you work at your working atmosphere? And how did you reopen?
6: Well, we we opened by became scientists by follow Doctor Fauci. But make sure we clean, we clean, we clean, and we clean again. We take temperature of all our employees. We make sure they are distancing. Of course, we have to spend more money to make less. Right. right. Because now we need more employees to do more and to serve less people, as you know, most people want to do takeout. So I think it's, that's a great scenario. Where well, some people can afford to do it. Some people may not afford to do it. As you know, uh, um, with the six-speed table, 25%, right. that cannot afford to pay the bills.
1: No, it cannot. So we all
6: have to go back to the drawing board to see how can we be become innovative to make sure everyone is happy while we take care of members, our guests, and make sure our employees are safe. Now, we are not doctors. We are chefs.
1: Absolutely, but but you're affecting, you know, the my life, my life when I come in there. Somebody gets food and building trust that they can come to your place and eat and 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 and, and take your food to go and things like that. That's what we're talking about right now. Building trust in a meal now, a meal that's not made at home. And so, so uh, what obstacles? You know, we, we, we can't fix something overnight because we all know COVID-19 is not going anywhere. It's going to be, they'll, they'll get a vaccine, but we we'll always be taking the vaccine because it's, a, it's an incredible virus that's coming to our lives that's overtly affecting people of color and African-Americans and, and people who are who are pre-existing conditions. Ninety-four percent of the people who've died from COVID-19 have had pre-existing medical conditions. A lot of people don't know that. And so when I yes, prepare, when I when I when I rattle off this information, like you said, Rashawn, this is COVID nineteen may be happening, but we've always had heart disease, we've always had cancer, we've always had stroke, we've always had high blood pressure, we've always had diabetes. This is just magnifying it. So if I'm hearing you correct, Ron, in some situations, we need to look at the problems before COVID nineteen came and fix those problems too.
6: Well, I agree with you, as you know. Uh, I'm starting a movement called uh, "My Food Eating for My Beloved Community." Mm-hmm. Uh, my food Eat- eating for my beloved community is going to be an action where me, you, we all sit down at the table and said, "What can we do?" Right. We all we are not in the same financial bracket, but what can we do for everyone can have access to healthy food how uh, everyone can get access to vegetables, to fruit, to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Uh, this is a conversation some people are afraid to have, but I am willing to have that conversation for anyone, whether they want listening or not. Well,
1: you know, it's interesting because of the COVID-19. For the first time, I had a garden at my house. You know, I did the uh, tomatoes. I did uh, peppers. I did okra. I did uh, sage and uh, um and also, I did uh, I did jalapeno peppers, and I did uh, cool peppers as well. And so, nice. and so, I was amazed at how easy it was, Ron. And the return on my vet investment was ridiculous. I can I had tomatoes after tomatoes. I must have I had three tomato plants. I must have gotten a hundred tomatoes off of that tomato plant. Those three tomato plants. That's
6: correct.
1: And they taste what different. You, uh, and they taste
6: different. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, guess what? If you can use that to tell me, to tell some other people to do that, I guarantee you the world would be a better place.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you this, Ron. I'm in your fan club right now. So, you know, off this call, I'm going to give you my cell number, all that stuff so we can communicate. Plus, I want to build a relationship with you. uh, Yes, sir. Because the thing about it is that we're like-minded in what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to accomplish in our life. Plus, I want to if you, I want to post some of your videos on my on my Facebook page, so I can just tell yes, you this is my boy right here. You know, check him out. He, he's a he's the, he's a bad boy from Texas. He's just like me. He's just in yes, the panhandle. Yes, he's sir. in the panhandle. He's in the panhandle. That's hot. hot panhandle. That's where you're in Amarillo, Texas. Now it's hot over there. Yes, sir. They don't name it yes, after sir. a little a little animal for nothing. That you that'll knock your car off the road if you hit it. Now, Amarillo's a bad yes, boy. Sir. And so, with that being said, well, what's your goals? What, what are your moving steps? You know, because we're going to talk, we're going to share our information. What are your goals in general for your brand, Ron, and what you're trying to do for the people?
6: What well, I try to do the people. Let's regroup. Let's stop divided. Let's love one another. Let's be each other's brother's keeper. Let's see what we can do to have uh, a better America. And then make sure everyone, I don't care who you vote for, but please vote because your vote have. Love it. W- I think we have a price to pay right now. Yes, sir. I remember in 2016, I had a debate with some of my friends who were telling me Hillary did. We will never vote for Hillary. And the list goes on. hmm The past few weeks, I called some of the same friends. I said, okay. You remember some of this conversation we was having in 2016? You see what happened tonight? It's because of people like you.
8: Mm -hmm. I still love you, Mm -hmm.
6: but we all can agree to disagree. So I'm hoping everyone can vote. You vote for whoever you vote for, but you're an American. Your vote can make a difference. Wow. Your voice
1: can lives. Wow. You know some chef. I so appreciate what you just said because um it takes more than one voice to make a change. It takes a collective. Yes, sir. It takes like-minded. It takes a clear understanding that you know we got um oh, we're going to cross over 200,000 people uh dying from COVID-19. We have wildfires on the west coast, hurricanes banging the the south. And you have civil unrest in every major city in this country. And if your vote has to count now. And we have to step out of that. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know. Or I step in and no, it don't. Yes, it does. And it only counts if you make an effort. And that's what your whole, yes, that's what this whole interview has been about. When I look at, listen to what you just said. It's about being focused and working hard and being determined to succeed against all odds. And that's all you, that's your whole career. That's your whole life. Right, Ron? Yes, sir. And
6: that's the only thing I know.
1: Wow! I want to thank you for coming on my show because me and you are good buddies now. We friends. I'm so excited! I'm free friends. I, I can't wait to cook with you again. I I, know, we are gonna, gonna to do it. We are gonna do it now. My wife, you know, she won't let me get on the plane right now. She she she, she you know
8: you know
1: she's scared about this COVID nineteen. I said, babe, we gotta get out there and live live our lives. And you know, I got my mask. I got my Parel. I got my I got my, my I got everything I need. And so we will see each other pretty soon because she can't keep me locked down. One thing I know is that life is about taking chances and I'm not saying risky chances. I just know that COVID-19 is a lifestyle that we have to learn to live with. It's a new normal. We have to be safe. We can't hug each other like we used to. We can't high five like we used to. We can't talk in close quarters like we used to, but we can live a very civil, a very stable lifestyle. But more importantly, to make this lifestyle work for us in the future, like you said, Ron, we have to vote. We have to vote. Yes. Wow. My man. Thank you, to, sir. Thank you. I want to thank you for coming on my show. Ron, uh, just hang on right there. I'm going to close out the show. I want to get your phone number and your uh, from. Your, give you my cell number, okay? Hi, right, this is Rashawn McDonald. Yes, I want to thank everybody for coming on my show. And also, if you want to hear any more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com.
0: I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. Cool. We'll be right back with more from Rashad McDonald and Money-Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial.
3: Organ donations save lives, and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Danae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African-American Transplant Access Program.
4: So this is My Baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee, and it's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging to access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to, you know, some type of meaningful life. For more information, visit nm.org slash radio.
1: Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, host of MoneyMakingConversations.com. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Mark Lennon. After Mark was inspired by a video featuring Steve Harvey, he decided to follow his passion and started baking. He took that passion and started his business, Brother Bakes. Brother Bakes is an online bakery based out of Houston, Texas. He specializes in cakes in a jar that can be shipped all over the country.
6: I just want to say to people, go for it. You know, I talk to people all the time and they're always talking about how you did it. I just went for it. Everybody has a dream. You're currently not doing your dream. So why not give it a try? If it works out, great. I mean, if it doesn't, then you're still not living your dream. But if it does happen, it changes your
1: life. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guests are Dina Marteau, that's when O, and Courtney Rhodes. They, they co-founded in 2020. That's this year, the year of the pandemic. C&D, the agency, is an all-women-led management agency that provides marketing, branding, public and media relations services, along with projects talent, and operations management specializing in business and entertainment. Their mission is to empower, which is important, mentor, and lead business women to collaborate together and increase opportunity for minority women. Dina is a seasoned entrepreneur, having shattered gender and ethnic glass ceilings during her nearly 20 years as a music executive and small business owner. Dina is on, Dina's on the management team for a superstar, my man, T.I., and helped launch his popular podcast which became number one on Apple Podcasts. Courtney Rhodes, who I know from Tampa, when Steve Harvey and I was down there launching one of our affiliate radio stations, is a branding and marketing expert for 20 plus years. She has worked with multi-million dollar businesses in getting their marketing message seen, heard, and experienced across television, radio, magazines, e-commerce, digital, and social media platforms. She's placed over $100 million in advertising dollars across television. Television, radio, digital, social, and outdoor media, ladies and gentlemen. With introduction like that, this is a money making conversation. Please welcome to money making conversation, Dina Marteau and Courtney Rose, ladies.
8: Hey,
3: that was amazing. That was <laughs> great.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I uh, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. And thank thank you for well, us. you know, because of the fact that uh, I, I, I've, I've been doing this show about going on like three years. And it, it nice. and uh, I, I want to invite you about this. I bought a building in Atlanta here in Peachtree. It's gonna Great. I'm building out of the broadcast studio. So my next interview, with you guys hopefully will be in studio, studio, it's a COVID friendly studio. And I, I bring that to your attention because you guys are, I like to say the word movers and shakers, and y'all 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 venture and y'all y'all see. Can I say to use the word visionary without being offensive? Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Let's start let's start with the top visionary in my uh, in my screen here, Miss Courtney. Yes I met you in Tampa a long time ago. Doing yeah. sales. So I can verify okay. when you say that you did <laughs> sales, you did sales. I And, certainly did. you know, when you when you go to these affiliate markets, there's always a, a opportunity to be able to sell your brand and people have to understand your brand. And Steve Harvey was we were a growing brand, not the brand that he is today, but right. you were yeah. a recognizable brand. And I was like the guy who was like, you talk to me, you talk to Steve to get the business deal done. How do you look at a business deal and a business opportunity?
5: Um, so I kind of just, again, look at everything as an opportunity and as a person who can bring solutions to whatever marketing or business challenge that whoever I'm sitting in front, you know, whatever they have, you know, someone's going to come to us because there's a challenge, they need help to do something. And so For me, I look at it as what solution can I provide with the expertise that I have, the experiences or the connections or network that I have, how just to be solutions oriented in my approach.
1: You know, when I was listening to, when I was reading each one of your bios, you and this is this is kind of like you each are kind of like a version of me. Because you, you, know, you know, seriously, you know, because like, I okay. turned to Dina because now she's dealing with she deals with talent a lot. You know, I didn't see that on your bio. You know, mm-hmm. you 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 are a person that like I did a lot of large scale events, concert promotions. I'm always out there so cars on through media so hamburger through media. That's kind of like you, and yeah. then on the on the talent management side high profile high energized um know what they want to do sometimes they don't do it right but you got to be there to mediate and also have to be very smart but very quiet sometimes also have to know all the answers even if you know steve harvey once told me he said rishon you think you know everything i said yes i do so i could not tell him i don't because what does what purpose does that serve and so dina i have to look at you as a person who knows everything because you deal with talent
3: Well, the thing about it—if I don't know it, I will definitely find out. (laughs) I will definitely figure it out. That's the the key to that, because you you have to know what you know, and you have to know what you don't know, and you have to know how to figure it out from there. That's important.
1: And 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 when you when you say that, because we're 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 talking about two successful females, okay, and and let's just put it real. You know, a lot of times women or. Because they are attractive and you are two attractive women. Sometimes people hear you, but they just see you. How do you overcome that? I'm just going to start with Gina. Just wrap up. You just responded. How do you overcome that?
3: That's a good point. Um, I would say that you have to really stay consistent and persistent with your work ethic. And I think once somebody realizes that you're an asset to the team, that you bring value and that you're smart and you should be around, they look past the beauty and they they start really wanting to work with you based on your skill set and what you can bring to the table. So I just, the way I've done it in a male dominated industry is just maintain my respect and earn my respect by doing the work and, and doing it well and having to do it a lot of times better than my male counterparts.
1: Uh, you do. And um, that's the, But it's like I said, all you know, Courtney can say this, you know, as a minority, sometimes it's often said that we say we have to be two times or three times better than a white person to get the respect and still get a check that's smaller than them. And that's kind of frustrating because it's actually true. And so from a sales standpoint, Courtney, you've had to deal with that. First of all, sales is generally a male-dominated lane. And then you're down in Tampa, which is the tip of Florida. So when I met you, you were successful. You were vibrant. You, you had my attention. And because you knew what you wanted to do, maybe because I grew up with six sisters. So I always had a respect for knowledge that came out of women came that came from women when they spoke to me. So what are some of the the mysteries or the, um, the walls that you have to climb as a female, because we're going to get to the agency, because that's important that I set who you guys up before we start talking about this agency. Courtney.
5: So, so I think for me, it's always been about making sure that I am heard and, and that I can bring value to the table, rather it was with Clear Channel, which is what it was when we met or through the work that I do today. And and to piggyback on what Dina said, you just, you have to always learn, especially in a male dominated industry to listen, 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 because I think just men and women naturally have a different way of communicating. And um, not to be stereotypical, but men are sometimes more aggressive, more comfortable in confrontational roles. And for me, it was just about listening and always coming back to the table with the solution, with the result. Kind of staying, keeping my little balance self, and you know, having <laughs> conversations with the guys and agreeing, and and just positioning. You know, a lot of times I would just listen in the beginning, especially when I was in Tampa. I was the only female on the management team, um, and you know, meetings could get crazy. And and egos would get in the way and you listen you you know agree where you agree but then you circle back around say hey guys have you thought about it like this i think that's amazing the way you want to do it maybe we can add this we can add that and just kind of be supportive at first And, and that allows you to get your voice heard that allows you to get your you know your perspective out there and then when you consistently do that then the guys again it just you just become a part of the team and they come to you for that expertise because you're you're able to actually bring I think a better balance of energy to the table and kind of pull things down a little bit and still um you can still be heard just my approach has always kind of been a little different in how I'm heard
1: and when I hear both of you talk mean,
3: would you, too. You to say, Dana? I was gonna say being honest with your clients as well is really important because a lot of times when you're dealing with some high profile people people are afraid to be honest with them yes. as as people on their team and I think that my clients would say that I'm always honest, whether you want to do it or not, and whether I agree or not, I'm going to give you my perspective and still support you 100%.
1: That is, uh, I think, the key to a lot of high profile people staying out of trouble is by being honest by being the person that says, I don't think that's a good idea. And uh, right. because the, the the not saying it means that you should have said it, and so when I look at when I listen to a Courtney and a uh, Dina, how did you guys get together to form the, the C A D? Okay, I, I got I know about your brand, Dina Courtney. I, I'm aware of your brand from past history. How did you two ladies, because y'all coming from different different landscapes? Even though Courtney, you are playing music. From a standpoint at a radio station tied to Clear Channel, which is not iHeartMedia. And Dina, you know, you came from record labels as well and moved into talent management. So I, I, I feel a sense of the cross. But how did you guys come together?
3: Well, here's the thing. We have been friends for a long time and we've actually worked on projects in the past together here and there. We've always talked about doing something together. And when we had to sit down for a second during this pandemic and and just had a moment to look around and see what was going on we felt like it was the appropriate time because we had a time to focus in and sh- and know what was really needed i think the i think being united is needed more than ever right now especially with women and so we decided to just go for it and the best part about it is that Courtney is an expert in her world with marketing and branding and PR wow. and I'm an expert in my world on the management side with talent and project management and operations so we're just combining forces and being more powerful together we could easily be successful continue to be successful on our own in our individual journeys but The most important thing here is that we both believe that our greater purpose is to mentor and lead the next generation of women leaders.
1: And uh, that's important. yeah, You know, um, when you say that, which is very powerful, and you started your business during the pandemic, okay, launched it, and I basically... I bought a building during the pandemic. <laughs> and, I'm and, you know, and I, I I say that because in a way, first of all, it's very tragic because it, it overtly affects uh, people over 65 in the minority community. Right. And, and secondly, but it, from a business perspective, it, I felt it allowed me to catch up. You know, because a lot of competition was shut down in the second quarter. Live events were done. Advertisers pull all the media from in the second quarter. Third quarter started trickling back. You started getting virtual events. And then so talent started to creep back out and some productions, especially entertainment, started to go back out. So I commend you because I felt that. What you're doing is very smart because that's what I did. First quarter, I I was getting my uh, brand together, trying to define that. Second quarter, getting all my legal paperwork, making sure I was launching site. I launched a whole new platform in the the third quarter. And fourth quarter, I, I tell my team, it's time to make money. And we will make money because we've established that. Is that, Courtney, a sense of what you guys are doing? The, the plants in place pandemic hit. It didn't throw any fear into you through sadness and through complications of how to do business. But it didn't alter your dreams.
5: No, it didn't. It actually um, sped it up because it gave us time to kind of reassess what we were doing and um, of course, we were kind of all forced to quiet down, kind of reflect on, you know, personally from a career standpoint, what's really important to me, like what's going to drive me, how, when we come on the out on the other side of this thing, what do I want to do? Do what are the causes that I care about? What are the kind of clients that I want want to work with? What are the kind of messages that I want to get out into the culture? And so, like Dana said, we had talked about joining forces before, and and we knew that we could um, complement each other's expertise, but also scale the work that we do, because a lot of times, obviously... Dina's working on projects where it involves marketing and branding. I work on projects sometimes where we're hiring out talent. So we knew that just coming together would allow us, again, to grow, but also do work that was more meaningful and to come together to do something really important to make sure that the narrative that the future is female isn't just something that we say, but that we're actively doing our part to make sure that we're supporting that narrative and the work that that we're doing and we're bringing other um, Very talented And the word you use was innovative Women along so that was really Important for us
8: and
1: when I say that word I, I say that word with respect I say That word with a lot of uh, You know and I, and I don't and I like to Believe that I'm one of those guys I would tell the People that are 24 hours in a day learn to use Every hour and And when I say and I say that as a compliment Because I know how passionate I am And I know my resume when I say you two Are, are kind of like a versions of me and, <laughs> and and because it's a testament to your ability to be, to be able to adjust to change and you're not and you're fearless. And you also understand that I know when I walk in a room that I'm a black guy. I know when I got I know I, I know when you walk in a room, you're attractive ladies. You, you, that's something you have to admit. And sometimes you have to admit that people have to be trained on what you bring to the table. And with that being said, you've launched an all female led organization. Agency in Atlanta, Georgia. Dina, why?
3: Well, I'm. It's it's really the topic that we're talking about. Money making conversations. We're trying to level the playing field. We're trying to close that gap for women to make the money that they deserve to make. To for especially for minority women and to have more opportunity and really. And really help women work together and not be competitive against each other. I find that a lot of times, especially in these male-dominated industries, we are pitted against each other and it's a lot of competition, but I think we're stronger if we can actually work together. So we want to be that example. We kind of want to show, sh- shed the light on that journey of getting women who are great at what they do, who are very skillful, having us collaborate together. For excellence for our clients, and I think that that's really the main reason we are we're doing this agency. Of course, we want to make money, but we want to make money like how men are able to make money. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need Car Shield. Car Shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and Save thousands, call 1 800 CAR 6000 and mention code MONEY, M O N E Y, or visit Carshield.com and use code MONEY, M O N E Y, to save 10%. That's Carshield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. That's very true. Um, Money is really, in the beginning of my intro, I said, you know, people have their version of what a sizable paycheck is. Some people is a is a large check. I'm driven by the fact that opportunity drives me. And I think that's a sense of who I'm talking to here, Dina and Courtney, you opportunity, because if you don't have an opportunity, you can't get in the door to make your play or make your statement. Then the money is going to come because you're skilled at it. Now, two words that we hear popular popularized all the time. and It annoys me so much. Marketing and branding especially mm-hmm. the word brand i just i can't stand that word now because people just throw it out nowadays like
5: they know, exactly what,
1: oh, they, they know exactly what. oh they know exactly oh i'm a uh, branding expert i've hear that one more time
5: <laughs> i what? know so cliche
1: oh my god i'm a branding expert so
5: courtney exactly. yes so
1: let me just show you an example okay in 2000 when i started managing steve i used to work for ibm okay mm-hmm. and so a corp- so from a corporate standpoint, I knew what a brand was was IBM. OK, <laughs> so when I looked at Steve, I, I looked at I said, "Look, I'm going to treat him just like a, a corporation. I'm Mm -hmm. giving the same rules, the same standards, the same beliefs that a corporation sets itself up for to consider their brand. Because I always tell you, I would tell people, you know, corporations, they they, they just shout out. They tell you they got the best hamburger, they got the best car, they've got the best cell phone and all these things. And that's why I'm enjoying this interview because I'm like bouncing back between versions Mm -hmm. of my brain. you left, right, left, right, left, right. but branding expert Courtney what is that what is a branding <laughs> expert please help me out I'm so
5: and I love this question because um, <laughs> people use the words branding and market marketing together like it's the same thing and it's not so we all know that a brand is just the way someone when I say Rashawn. What comes to people's mind, the energy, the images, the feeling, it's the story that we share out into the world because of the things we do, right? Mm -hmm. And so we know in a corporate world, it's a nice logo and it's a position, right? Like your hamburgers are going to be, you know, mid-tier, low-tier, high-tier, right? Mm But for people and the kind of work that we do, branding is about what's the experience you're creating for people? What's the vibe that you get when you interact with us? Our brand is all about women's empowerment. It's all about being inclusive. It's all about having fun. It's all about doing meaningful work that's gonna make a real difference in community, the African-American community and communities of color. It's about showing a different narrative to women doing business together in 2021. It's about positivity, connection, collaboration. And it's about when people interact with me and Dina, specifically with our brand and C and D the agency, we want people to walk away feeling empowered, excited about moving towards again a more powerful, collaborative, inclusive community of whatever you're doing. So for us, it's it's women doing business in male-dominated industries and making them feel a good, you know, good about themselves. So it's just the experience that. That we create with the colors we use, the events that we curate, the messages that we send. And it's about being consistent in those things. And those things create the heartbeat of who you are as a company, as a person. And then your marketing shares that message out into the world through different platforms and stories and events and situations.
1: Oh, you're good.
5: See how smart she is. She is.
1: I'm gonna tell you something, Dina.
5: That's why I partnered with her. I'm gonna
1: tell you something. She's good. Um, She's scary good. I I
5: mean, you know what I mean. No, no, stop,
1: stop, stop. You, you you are a blessing. You You are a blessing. Okay. Uh, I remember that was my first take on you many years ago. And to see where you've uh, transformed or evolved to is amazing. Now, when when I heard you talk, Cordy, it, it it felt more like from a business standpoint, from a you know, from a from a uh, like a like you know a product standpoint. <laughs> and then I turned to Dina, and you used the word branding expert when it comes to talent. What does that mean, Dina?
3: When it comes to talent, well talent. <laughs> talent is a brand in itself. So any, any any artist, any any person that like yourself, you are a, you are talent and you are your own brand. So we have to do the same thing. We have to maintain the proper messaging what we want people to know and feel about you, how we want it to look overall, how we want it to feel. So it's pretty much the same way as hamburgers, but it's a person, which (laughs) makes it sometimes a little bit more complicated.
1: Hamburger don't talk. Hamburger don't talk.
3: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hamburgers don't mess up some things sometimes when they talk. They don't post on
1: social media. They don't do that.
3: Right. (laughs) Hamburgers don't change their mind sometimes in the morning when you have a plan and then they decide their mood just shifts and they want to do something else. That's, the you know, it's a little different.
1: And hamburger and hamburgers don't throw you strange looks either. That's right. <laughs> like you're the crazy one in the room. Really?
3: And right. hamburger will not throw you under the bus. when <laughs> so wrong. You know what I mean? Love it. I love it. I I'm talking to my two
1: sisters. I'm talking to my
3: two sisters. You know, we're behind the scenes. We 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 are the ladies that are always behind the scenes, the secret weapons that a lot of times people don't even know exist. But we are a an integral part of the the team that we're on.
1: Cool. Let's talk about let's brag a little bit. Okay. I mentioned a little bit about T I and some of the accomplishments. Talk about some of your products, Dina, and then Courtney will come to you. Okay. Okay.
3: Well, my history has been in the music business mainly. I started a PR firm, an entertainment PR firm, when I was 19 in college. And then I met L.A. Reid when I was 21, and he handpicked and hired me to work with him at Island Def Jam. So I was on his A&R team for six years, and I helped with Janet Jackson, LL Cool J, Nas, Young Jeezy, Rick Ross, and and so many others when Jay-Z was president. And then I left to start my own artist development company and I built a recording studio in Midtown Atlanta called 12 Music and Studios. I ran and operated, uh, operated that facility and I nurtured and managed talent for seven years. Then T.I. called me and wanted me back on his team because we worked together previously when I was a lot younger and he was putting out trap music. And I got back on his team and I've been on his management team helping out for the last three years. So I also sold my studio about a year and a half ago just so I could do more focusing on the the new things that I wanted to do and to kind of pivot. And, and it's the same thing that we're doing now with pivoting with this agency, which is really a blessing, I'll say, because we're at the point in our careers where we get to kind of pick and choose who we want to work with. And that's truly a blessing. We don't, we don't, we don't decide on working with clients based on monetary things. We decide on on what their vision is, what the message is, how is this gonna impact the community? That's really where we make our decisions.
8: Awesome.
1: Courtney, C R, the C yeah. and the D of the agency. That's me. Your accomplishments, your your the things that brought you into this world that you when you sit down, you make a pitch, you gotta tell people what you're doing currently or what you've done mm-hmm. in the past. How does that work and what do you have to say?
5: Um so as far as my career accomplishments, I started my career right out of grad school, started working for um, Clear Channel as an account manager for WPOC, which is one of- Is that two- what you wanted
1: to do, Courtney?
5: Um, I wanted to be um, an anchor woman initially until I did an internship, actually, and then I changed my mind. Okay, cool. And I um, so about- So you
1: me. had aspirations of being a talent at one time?
5: At first, okay, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I started as an account manager for WPOC, which is a top five still country station in the country for Clear Channel, and I was selling POC, country jazz, and gospel and digital so it was i think it was like 2003 where digital just started to come up and and we were trying to figure it out as a media company what we're going to sell how we're going to be able to show clients rois and stuff like that and so i did that for a year and a half and pretty quickly i I was able to leverage a Jaguar deal for uh clear channel throughout like 20 markets and it was a multi-million dollar deal and it kind of set my career up and honestly it was a fluke but that's a whole nother story it kind of set my career because i ended up getting recruited into management according like, what's
1: that you gotta tell us the fluke okay no not can.
5: now I mean, no, no, let's just say it was a blessing from there God. you go there you go
1: Because the nosiness took over when you said fluke. Right. It's just a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a blessing.
5: Like, yeah. Um, So, at any rate, that deal kind of set my career up, like I said. And so, when that happened, because I ended up having to, like, go to corporate and present the deal to Jaguar and to, like, you know, their – their VP of marketing and head of brands, consumer brands and all that, and close the deal went really well. And so, like I said, that led into me being recruited by the executive management team. So I went to Tampa as a sales manager for three radio stations, one being Launching the Beat, which was the first urban actually to go into Tampa, believe it or not, Um, WFLZ. Which is a CHR station and a mix, which is like a um, no mix was the CHR and WFLZ is like a pop station. But anyway, so I went there with three stations under my belt stayed in Tampa, learned the ropes under my general sales manager. They gave me the beat as my station within like three months, honestly, and I just had fun with it. Like I just used my intuition quite frankly to um, make decisions um, as far as marketing was concerned, how we were going to position urban in a market like Tampa that had never... They had reggaeton, but they never had an FM um, hip-hop station, and so that went well. My... Boss in Tampa came to Atlanta as the market manager for Clear Channel Atlanta, um, and he recruited me. They were launching a country, which is the bull, which is the number one country in the yes, market. Yes, it is. So yes, it is. It was the FM broadcast for Braze Radio Network. And so, um, once again... I had kind of gotten the role of being of launching stations in new markets because of what we had done, the flip that we had done with um, the beat in Tampa. So they brought me here to launch a country, little black (laughs) girl me uh, in the south.
1: That's what I love. That's what I love
5: two country stations. There was this little stick in Peachtree City called WGCL. I'm not sure what that stick is now. So I ran the two country stations and was in charge of Braves radio network, which taught me a lot about just, you know, managing a $48 million radio station, managing a lot of people, managing responsibilities from, I was in charge of the marketing department, the sales department, the promotions department. Um, And then I served on an executive committee for for Clear Channel. So that kind of taught me the things that I needed to learn to kind of step out into entrepreneurship. And um, after doing that, Clear Channel got bought by Bain Capital, um, there were eight general sales manager. Six of them got laid off. Unfortunately, I was not one of them. Mm-hmm. I was super sad because they got this huge severance check. And unfortunately, I was one of the ones that stayed and had to make it work. And so that taught me more about acquisitions and mergers mergers, and how to make a profit and loss statement work. And long story short, I left there, started working for myself. Ford Multicultural Cultural became my first client. And mm-hmm. My entrepreneurship journey
1: started from there. Awesome! October is National Women's Small Business Month. I'm speaking to Dina and uh, Courtney. Uh, the agency, which is uh, what you you're in CND, the agency which you started in 2020 uh, in the city of Atlanta. Your first project is a, it was a is a voter education initiative aimed at combating voter suppression in Georgia during the 2020 election. Can you tell us how that how that came about, and also what are you doing when you say? This is your first project. What is it, when you, when somebody says a first project out of the agency, what does that mean?
3: Well, this is our first campaign that we're doing to to launch with the agency so people know what we are up to and that we want to do meaningful things in the community. I think it's really important right now to exercise your right to vote, but a lot of times people don't even understand their rights of, for voting. And so we want to just educate and give and, and funnel all the information all into one place so people can get it, whether it's early voting, um, absentee ballot, or whether you're going in person on the day of vote, you know, election day, we want people to know um, their rights. We want them to know that if they come across something that looks like voter suppression or if something that's blocking them from doing what they have the right to do, they we want them to have that information. And so we're just pulling all that information together and sharing it through our network and through um, just, just our, really just our network and social media, of course.
1: And um, I voted already. Early morning. Yeah. okay, cool. Put it, thank posted you. it on social media that I voted, and um, okay. this is a very important election, November third, for a lot of reasons. But more importantly, to get there, to get this country back to a level of sanity that we all feel we can walk out our front door and return safe. Right.
8: Because right now right. it
1: gets ugly and ugly every day. Uh, and, and in closing, Courtney and Dina, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. I, I this would work. This why this is such a beautiful interview. You guys are. Dominant personalities. I'm looking at two distinctively different position people that work incredibly well together. Your strengths, they cross, but they don't cross. When I say that means that you both understand your lanes. And it allows you to be able to eloquently pitch like Courtney said, like she did in this wild me, and then auto- eloquently understand, because I've managed talent a lot, high profile talent. And I know exactly you know, when you start talking, I laugh because, Every everything you said, I've had to deal with and still deal with, and I jumped right back in the fire. And I said oh. I will go when I left Steve Harvey. I said I was done. I wasn't going to do this anymore. And I'm back in. They pulled me back it's in. Fine. Reputation pulled me back in. But I want to just say uh, thank you. I want to be in you guys' life. You know, if you uh, ever need my services, I, I I do a lot of media. I, I do RFPs. I love to include you guys in the marketing branding. Uh, I'm gonna get my staff to reach out to you guys and get a deck on you guys. So you know. Uh, I'm gonna be an agency of record for some for some Fortune 500 company from a multicultural perspective, and uh, I don't do PR, and so so <laughs> you know I don't so you can't do everything, but you can you can lie that you can do everything, but you want to do it well, and I've and I've, I've and just being the uh, two young ladies who are trying to mentor that was the key in this conversation that I was so impressed about because I, ever since I was 18, that's been my mantra. Uh, no, don't leave anybody behind. I don't know why I did it. It was just part of my natural DNA. And I, from the very start of this conversation, that's all I heard you guys talk about. And I want to be a part of any way I can assist growing the CND, the agency in Atlanta, Georgia, because both of you guys are brilliant. Courtney, I know your track record. That wasn't that's what impressed me way back then was the fact that you were selling more than black radio. And uh, and Dana, um, meeting you for the first time, I've heard about you. When I there's a lot of people, you, you, a lot of people say, do you how you never met? her?" Yeah, you know, yeah, she said a lot of names I know. OK, right. and you, so we've crossed and we've talked and I've heard about you and to get you on my show. Money making conversation is a blessing. And uh, thank you. Thank I was too. so happy
3: when you guys reached out. I was like, "Really? Okay, <laughs> you know, I'm down to do this thing." Well, you—it's you,
1: great. Thank you.
3: And you hit it on the—and you hit it right on the nose. Like you have a way of knowing how to pick up on, you know, your 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 guest on the show. Because <laughs> I would say that you sum that up pretty well. You did, and you know, we would and it, it worked my heart. Well, you know, yes. I, I,
1: I, I, I started this, and I didn't know what I was doing. From the standpoint, you know, I was just—I didn't know why people were coming on the show. Were they coming on the show because I used to manage Steve Harvey? They think I'm gonna get them on the radio show, the talk show, and I was trying to find my voice. And and so I just look at two fantastic people that you know. If you've called me and you know I don't charge I, that's why I started this whole platform here but I do know how to make people famous I do know how to and you guys are famous OK, you're your famous commodities. Zoom has allowed me to have an interview like this, because if I try to do this in January, what? we're never. What? what is he talking about? We're gonna, but Zoom has allowed this format and to see right. how you guys operate on this world. You should do it as much as possible because you will shine in a, a lot of great lanes of opportunity because both of you guys are brilliant. OK.
3: Thank, thank you so you. much, so much the for having. Conversations us. are essential. The conversations you're having are really important. People really need to important. hear what's happening behind the scenes, not in front of the TV screen. They need to know the intricacies of business and how to make money. It's really important. <laughs> I
1: appreciate y'all. I'm gonna tell my staff to get a deck on you guys, okay? And we gonna okay, talk thank soon.
3: Bye bye.
1: Great seeing both of y'all. Bye Bye-bye. bye. Bye-bye. You. And if you want to hear more money making conversation interviews, please go to MoneyMakingConversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald, I'm your host. Wow, that was pretty good, huh?